I think I might need two texts, maybe just one. Let's do one. Let's do one. Roll it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Save Your Sorry. I am your host, Katrina Rochelle, here with my best friend and fellow co-host, Jose Angel. How are you today? I'm doing great. Welcome back from break. I know, I know. A little rusty, but we're good. So here at Save Your Sorry, we talk about the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrities. And today it is uh, Jose week. It is. And I am doing, I don't even think you know yet, do you? Uh, no, I've kept myself in the dark perpopulously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> today we'll be discussing actor slash director Mel Dipson. Oh, shit. This is straight out of left field. Okay, okay. Yeah, there have been more and more mumblings about a comeback for him. Again? I didn't really remember his scandal that much when I started this. All I remember is watching Nancy Grace cover it. But we will get into it, and hopefully by the end of this episode, you and I can come to a conclusion if he has learned his lesson, has enough time passed, is what he has said and done something he can't even be forgiven for, something he can move forward, or is it more of the lines like, what the fuck we look like giving back to a has-been? <laughs> okay, I accept this assignment, sir. All righty. Mal Gibson was born January 3rd, 1956, making him a Capricorn. What? <laughs> this is blasphemous. <laughs> he is the sixth of 11 children, having five brothers and five sisters. Also, fun fact, Mel is not short for anything. It's just Mel. You know that man's name is Melvin. It's not. He was Melvin named after a Gibson? saint. I thought it was like Melvin or Malcolm or something. He was named after a saint? Saint Mel? Saint Mel. Well, see, St. Mel's mama was tripping, too. <laughs> <laughs> when Mel was 12, his family did end up moving to Australia. His father had gotten a settlement from an injury he had gotten from his job as a railroad railroad worker. The main reason for the move was because Mel's father feared Mel and his brother would be drafted into the Vietnam War. Mm. Obviously, Mel was too young at that point to be drafted, but it is a privilege we have today not have to worry about being drafted. Well, they talking about uh, opening it up for some of you ladies. <laughs> um, too bad I'm past my prime. This meat is expired. <laughs> that was the main reason for moving to Australia. But Mel's grandmother on his father's side was also an opera singer in Australia. So that factored into it a little. Okay. Mel's father, Hutton, is an interesting character as well, to put it in a nice way. He won Jeopardy after five shows, was undefeated, and won $4,680. He won another game show while in Australia, winning $100,000 and a car. Dang, he's, he won bigger bigger money in Australia. Yeah. So, I mean, that goes to show you he's a smart guy. Okay. He's written a few books, mostly are religious books, and Hutton is a very old school Catholic. He has spoken out about former popes for not being Catholic enough, and he'll come up a little later. Hey, I don't know what that means. I think I got to ask my grandma, what does that mean when somebody's not Catholic enough? Yeah, like there was one I didn't put in here, but he, one pope like said something about the Quran or something and or, or kissed the Quran. I don't even know. I didn't really look into it. But and he, he said, he, you should have burned it. Yeah, he was like totally against it. Mm. So he's very... I would say he was very 
fanatical about his religion. Mal went to an all-boys Catholic school and on to acting from the all-boys Catholic school, he got into the National Institute of Dramatic Art. One of his sisters sent in an application for Mal without Mal's knowledge, and he got in. So he had this talent from a very young age. I wonder what type of what type of video or wait, did you say application? Yeah, application. Okay, I was about to say application. Funny enough, when I saw that, I pictured it too that it was like a video like Uh, of him acting or something. Man, stop! Get the camera out of my face. No, I think he was already in plays or stuff. I don't know. That'd be funny though. (laughs) (laughs) Told you, I'm not gonna audition. Okay. In 1977, Mel's around 21, and the first film he is in comes out. It's called I Never Promised You a Rose Garden. Did you see it? No, but I don't, for some reason, that phrase uh, is triggering something in my brain, but no, it's not coming to me. That sounds weird, though. Okay, yeah, I never heard of it either. Um, Mel had a small, uncredited role, so nothing played, really that personal. He played a rose. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I think it said baseball player. Oh, that makes more sense. <laughs> Soon after, he would get the lead role in the movie Mad Max. Mm, heard about those uh-huh the night before his audition he got into a fight at a bar and that kind of helped him get the role for mad max have you seen mad max no but i guess i was like oh my gosh just this man's gritty he can get his <laughs> ass beat oh we want him exactly it's like a post-apocalyptic movie action so him looking rough kind of helps him mm, okay Mad Max, and I mean, that was huge, you know. It's pretty much one of his first movies, and he's already starring. Yeah, I just never got the chance to see it, but a lot of people do talk about Mad Max. Mad Max 2 came out in 1981 with even bigger success. In 1982, The Year of Living Dangerously came out, and he starred opposite a fan of the pod, Sigourney Weaver. Hey! Did you see that one? No, but I love me some Sigourney. I do too, and I didn't see that one either. 1985, Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome comes out, and it has the legend Tina Turner in it. I I heard about that. And I think that's my favorite Mad Max movie. My name is Tina Turner. I get it. I get it. it. (laughs) She doesn't say that there. I know. Terrible. And I'm leaving some movies out, but you're getting the gist that Already, he's becoming a household name. But yeah, I think you're, you're leaving all the ones I know out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that what really put him on the map was his starring role in Lethal Weapon. Okay, okay. There we go. There we go. And just to not make this a Mel Gibson movie pod, I'm just going to shoot out some names real fast. Lethal Weapon 1 through 4, Pocahontas, Braveheart, mm. The Patriot, mm. what? what Woman Want, Signs. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so those are some of his bigger movies that he's acted on. And some that he's directed, even. Apocalypto. Yeah, Apocalypto. Passion of the Christ. I'm going to get into Passion of Christ later. Oh. So, yeah, those are some of them. In 1985, he was named People's First Ever Sexist Man Alive. And boy, was the bar. (laughs) (laughs) That's mean. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean for it like that, but I'm just saying, out of that year, all of the people, Mel Gibson. And no shade to Mel Gibson, but I always felt like he's always had like a... Old maybe man's it's because face. he's Yeah, a 40-year-old man's face. Like, 
his face yeah. has stayed the same. And I think, think it's I'm just because it's like a different generation thing. Yeah, maybe. Like he has an is. older style, maybe. Yeah. So you got a good picture of Mel yet. Can we move on to his scandals? Will you allow me to do that, Katrina? Of course, I would love nothing more <laughs> than you. to hear you disparage this man. I, th- I think the few times we've gotten like, you know, negative feedback on an episode, it's like, well, you didn't include this. You didn't include that. It's like, well, I'm not going to include every single thing they did. It's not a review of their Yeah, that's work. what I do, ma'am, sir. <laughs> we, I try to keep it to an hour if we're to do that. And I like to keep it to a smooth two. Yeah, you're a two. <laughs> in 1991, Gibson was doing an interview with a Spanish newspaper. And for some reason, they asked him what his thoughts are on gay people. They must have been like, you know, new or something. <laughs> <laughs> they must not have known the deal about Mel. <laughs> Mel says, quote, they take it up the ass. Then pointing to his behind, he said, this is only for taking a shit. He said he worried if he became an actor, people would think he was gay, but with, but, end quote, but with this look, who's going to think I'm gay? And it would be hard to take me for someone like that. Do I sound like a homosexual? Do I talk like them? Do I move like them? For some reason, people took offense to this. I wonder why. (laughs) (laughs) And the way that he came in hot, hot and ready, like, Man. I think Mel was trying to paint gay men specifically as a stereotypical flamboyant caricature. Yeah, and what I can't stand is, oh my god, I I thought people would think I was gay. So you know what I said? To prove my straightness, you really gotta bash on these gay men. (laughs) It really shows how much of a bigger man you are. Later, when he's doing an interview for Playboy, they tell him people are asking him to apologize. And he says he'll apologize when hell freezes over. Man, well, seems like he's on a steady road to Shitsville, so let's keep on chugging. In 1999, when asked about the 1991 comments, he said he shouldn't have said it, but was, quote, tickling a bit of vodka during the interview, and the quote came back to bite me on the ass. Not really an apology, but a little growth, maybe. No, that literally was nothing. (laughs) Yeah. He basically said, man, I should not have said that homophobic shit, but got a little loose on the liquor, opened Mm -hmm. my mouth. Otherwise, that really wouldn't have hurt me like it did if I just would have kept all that going in the ass stuff to myself. And maybe it's because in 1991, people were not as accepting as gay people as they are in 1999 when he kind of not really apologized mm-hmm. back to that 1995 playboy interview Mal's asked about his opinion on female priest Mal says that <laughs> quote men and women are just different they're not equal he follows with feminists don't like me and i don't like them i don't get their point i don't know why feminists have it out for me but that's their problem not mine well, which i guess you just said you hate them which I guess you could try and explain these anti-gay and sexist remarks on his beliefs. Like his father, he is an old school type of Catholic. And somebody who don't know how to shut their mouth. They obviously understood that this man loves uh, uh, loves to just talk about his feelings. 
So after that one thing, they just started asking his opinion. What do you think about gay marriage, abortion, adoption? That's okay. Blacks, Mexicans. I I kept seeing like, you know, these articles pulled out and like just sections of it. It's like, Mm -hmm. why are they asking him these, all these questions? Like they must know. Yeah. They, they just want to write a juicy story about this idiot who feeds them lines. Mm -hmm. In 2004, Mel Gibson releases The Passion of the Christ. Did you ever see that one? Okay, quick story. So, um, throughout my 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 childhood, um, I went to these little daycares, but they weren't just daycares; they were church daycares. And so, one of the first ones we ever went to ran by this we'll call troublesome family for various reasons. Um, when the Passion of the Christ came out. They bought, uh, I guess, a advanced screening DVD or whatever, and they invited the whole congregation in daycare to come after hours to watch it. Oh, no. And, and me and my family, one thing we did not do was turn down a movie night. <laughs> so oh, no. <laughs> we packed up and we as a family watched The Passion of the Christ. Did you like it? I mean, you know, um, Jesus was getting beat the fuck up. Yeah, that's all it is. I did not know what to think of that. So I was just How old do you think you were? You said 2004? Yeah. So I'm about maybe eight to nine, ten years old. Like at least nine years old, I'm thinking. Okay. I just, is, I, I just tried to enjoy it as a movie. I, I could not understand so the historical that they would, quote unquote. No, let kids things. watch that, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, it was definitely one of those types of places. Like, let them learn about their Jesus uh-huh. type of situations. So, I saw it in someone's kitchen when I was like a preteen, so maybe 11 or 12. And like, they had a TV in the kitchen. And I think my dad was like, it was my dad's friend's house. And they were like watching boxing in the living room. Mm-hmm. So we were in the kitchen and we were watching The Passion of Christ. And I think that's like the first time I had like my first Mike's Hard Lemonade or like some, you know, wine cooler. What the fuck, Jose? <laughs> like, like those two aren't related. Like I, I got my first, my Mike's Hard Lemonade or whatever. And then they're like, want to watch a movie? And we're like, sure, let's watch this one. And it scared the shit out of me. It was such a Dory movie, and I just kept thinking I just drank and I'm going to hell or something. Like, it was so scary. Yeah, you fucked up, bro. You've been on <laughs> you've been on a dark path since you drank that Mike's Hard Lemonade. And I remember the kitchen was so dark, and I just wanted to go, like, into the living room but to, like, watch boxing, because boxing's less gory than this movie. And <laughs> I was, like, too scared to get up. Some other dudes knew what they was doing. They was like, yeah, we about to watch this. I can't believe this is the first time I'm hearing this story. <laughs> I just you been watched, so traumatized. You watched Passion of the Christ after you drank half of a Mike's Hard Lemonade in a kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting here watching Passion of the Christ in a living room slash church congregation room in my church clothes. <laughs> Either way, I don't think it's suitable for children, but there, like we said, there's not really much of a plot besides the torture. 
and crucifixion of Jesus. Yeah, and just showing it. Uh, yeah. Besides the goriness of the movie, a criticism of the movie was it was anti-Semitic. It paints the Jews in the movie to be overly violent and placing the blame on them for the death of Jesus, who was also Jewish, which mm-hmm. they don't really say that in the movie. Now, this is something that is debated if is if it is anti-Semitic or if it's not, or if it's just like towing the line or, you know, if it's going to incite people to be anti-Semitic. Mm. Now, around the time Mel was directing Passion of Christ, his father Hutton was out there doing interviews, saying things like, Jews simply moved during the Holocaust. There was not concentration camps, just work camps. And the Holocaust museums are just a gimmick to collect money. All right. All right. Um, we see the Gibson family. <laughs> we see the Gibson family. When Mal was asked about his father's comments and the Reader's Digest, he said, quote, My dad taught me my faith, and I believe what he taught me. The man never lied to me in my life. End quote. Oh my God! Okay, so yes, you you you're anti-Semitic. After the Passion of the Christ in an interview with Diane Sawyer, Mal Gibson said, "Anyone who disagrees with him that Jesus was, anyone that disagrees with him that Jews killed Jesus is disputing the Bible." He does admit that he does believe the Holocaust happened. When Diane when Diane Sawyer asks if he thinks millions of Jews died, he says, "Sure," but says the main goal from his credits was to drive a wedge between him and his father. He ends it with, gotta leave it alone, Diane. Gotta leave it alone. He's, because he's not going to talk bad about his father, but he's... Oh, saying, got to leave it alone? Yeah, gotta leave it alone. Because don't make Mel mad. (laughs) Don't make him angry. You wouldn't like him when he's angry. (laughs) So, he's, he admits the Holocaust happened. Even though he really (laughs) didn't want to. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And I saw... Okay, a lot of this research I kept going on, it kept popping up like pro-Christian or pro-Catholic or whatever, Um, Mm -hmm. like articles about Mel Gibson. So I don't know if it's true or not. I didn't really care to look. But it said that Mel Gibson has donated to Holocaust survivors, and that could be true, but at the same time, that could be for PR. Mm Mm-hmm. You just don't know. Yeah. Plus... And don't erase all that ignorant ass shit you said. Don't be just throwing some money. I Honey. mean, learn, learn, learn your history, sweetie. Let's get educated. <laughs> I mean, even me, I try to learn new things every day. July 2006, I got the partial police report from the Los Angeles Times. Some curse words have been censored, so I'm going to fill them in white with what I think they said the word was. Oh, I like this. Come on. So July 2006, Gibson is pulled over and given a field sobriety test. When the police determined that he was drunk, they decide to arrest him. When Mel is informed that he is going to be detained, he starts getting angry and saying, everything is fucked. My life is fucked. Gibson starts to get worried about the publicity. The arrest is going to calls. So the arresting officer said he won't handcuff him, just like in the backseat of his car. And, but when they start walking towards the car, Gibson tries to run back to his car. But the officer gets him, turns him around, handcuffs him, and they start driving off. Mm-hmm. While in the back of the patrol car, Gibson is cussing, telling him he's going to regret he ever did this. Gibson says he owns Malibu and will spend all his money to get even with this cop. Gibson starts streaming fuck Jews and that Jews are responsible for all the wars and the world. And he asked the officer if he was a Jew and the officer 
was Jewish. Damn, talk about that shot in the dark. Yeah, yeah. So there is a report Gibson called a female officer shitter tits. That you know I was waiting for that part. <laughs> I did not see that in the report, and Mel has denied that, that part. What he actually called her was Splenda boobies. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't think Mel Gibson likes fake breasts, so he wouldn't use Splenda. Ah, so he would say. (laughs) No. (laughs) It's also alleged that the police report was asked to be rewritten by higher ups in a sort of cover up for Mel. Mm hmm. What type of power does Mel Gibson have at this point? Y'all said we got to cover it up. I mean, he's a huge millionaire and he lives in Malibu. I feel like that would be a power. I mean, he does have the passion of the Christ within him. And at this point, it's 2006. He's still pretty high up there. Mm, man, that's how I know he said sugar tits. <laughs> Gibson would later apologize for the video, saying he had relapsed and and he is an alcoholic. He, that's something he has started with. Later, but he, 2000- he didn't wait. Hold on. He didn't apologize for all the all the hate, the Jewish hate talk he just spewed. I'm just sorry about the alcoholism, y'all. But <laughs> he said it was a brief moment of insanity. Is how he. he put I was it. about to say he meant everything he said. I, I guarantee this shit it was bubbling under the surface. But later in 2016, Mel Gibson was on the Playbook podcast and said, "Quote: It was an unfortunate incident. I was loaded and angry and arrested. I was reported illegally by an unscrupulous police officer who was never prosecuted for the crime. It was made public by him." for profit and by member of we'll call it the press. So not fair, I guess, as who I am. I'm not allowed to have a nervous breakdown ever. So boohoo Mal Gibson is painting himself now as the, the victim of this arrest, in my opinion, with that quote. Yeah, like all that all that video showed is that you have a a bad pattern of behavior and you just upset that people know it now. Which I believe he could have been having a nervous breakdown, but it is enough but is it enough to excuse his comments? Mel kind of reminds me of Shia LaBeouf or some other cases we have covered where one incident makes you pause, but when it keeps piling up and you add it all up and the excuses start to wear pretty thin and just save your sorry, like it doesn't really matter. Save it, put it in your pocket and lock it, bitch. <laughs> also in 2006, Gibson separated from his wife of 26 years. They had seven children together. In Hollywood, I feel like 26 years is very rare. Mm-hmm. The divorce would be, wouldn't be would be finalized until 2011. And Robin Moore, his ex-wife, would receive half his money, getting $425 million. She hung in there for the good, for the good loot. It is reported as the largest Hollywood divorce settlement. Mm-hmm. There's uh, yeah, she's got some people. Some people got her beat though now, but yeah, I could definitely see back then that was a one of the highest. Oskana, I'm gonna butcher this name. Grigori Eva is, came out on the scene shortly after his 2006 arrest. OG. Oh, I yeah, I'm just a caller, Oskana. I saw on a Larry King live interview, Oskana said the relationship started after Mel and Robin were separated, but the timeline is a little murky. Mel and Robin were separated before they announced it. 
And we don't really know when Oscana and Mel started. It wasn't until 2009 that Oscana and Mel went public with their relationship or Facebook or Fisher or whatever you want to call it. October 30th, 2009, Oscana gave birth to Mel's daughter. Sometime in December, Oscana and Mel get into it and Oscana allegedly left him but returned. January 6, 2010, Ostana's with Mel and they get into it. Ostana alleges that Mel punched her twice in the face, resulting in a broken tooth. Mel allegedly hit Ostana while she was holding their baby. Mel alleges he gently slapped Ostana because she was shaking the baby. June 25, 2010, Ostana files for a restraining order against Mel. This is pretty much all happening behind the scenes. But yeah, in- but that nigga done lost it. He was, if you got to make up a story where you still have to say that you hit somebody, it must be v- visually clear that that woman has been hit. So you had to come up with an excuse. And what sense does that make? Somebody shaking the baby. Let me slap her. That will snap her out of it. That's what it said. It said, like, slap her stop, to knock some sense into her. Yeah, it'll stop the motion of her shake. No, you take the baby away from somebody if they happen to be shaking a baby. I, I wouldn't slap somebody. Yeah. Um. In July of 2010, audio recordings between Mel and Ostana is leaked. And that's what oh, really yeah. brings it all up to the front of everyone's attention. On Larry King Live, Ostana says she did not release the audio recordings and the only reason she even recorded him because she was afraid he was going to come over after she left the house and murder her. She wanted proof that it was him who killed her. Mm, mm, mm. So in the recordings, Ostana does not say much. And when she does talk, she is calm or tired or maybe even in a defeated tone. And there is sometimes when she just like yells a little, but... Mel is raging. He's raging and he's yelling and he's cursing. I'm going to read a few of the segments, but you can find the transcripts on TMZ and there's clips everywhere. Talking about her breast implants, which he claims he did not know about. He says, it is, it is. They look stupid. If I'm just telling you, I'm just, it's just an appraisal. Keep them if you want. Look stupid. See if I give a fuck. You know, but they're too big and they look stupid. They look like some Vedas bitch. They look like a Vedas whore. You go around sashaying around in your tight clothes and stuff. I won't stand for that anymore. Oskana replies she doesn't wear tight clothes and stays at home most of the time. Mal goes on to say, yes, you fucking do. You go out in public and it's a fucking embarrassment to me. You look like a fucking bitch in heat. And if you get raped by a pack of N-words, oh, hard R. yeah forgot this part it'll be your fault all right because you provoked it you are provocative provocatively dressed all the time with your fake boobs and you feel you have to show off in tight outfits and tight pants and then you can't really understand it you can see your pussy from behind and that green thing today was enough that's a provocative okay i'm telling you i'm just telling you the truth i don't like it i don't want that woman, I don't want you. I don't believe you anymore. I don't trust you. I don't love you. I don't want you. Okay. Mel argues that Ostana fell asleep when waiting for him to go to the jacuzzi. He says, shut the fuck up. You should just fucking smile and blow me because I deserve it. He continues with, why? Because I let you sleep. That's my fucking mistake because I should have woke you up and said, fucking blow me, bitch. I sh- should have fucking woken you up and said, blow me. You would have liked that better. Yeah, you needed the goddamn sleep. Okay, all right, all right, okay, okay. When Ostana says he hit a woman with a baby in her arm, he just mocks her and goes on to say, I'm threatening, I'll 
put you in a fucking rose garden, you cunt. You understand that? Because I'm capable of it. You understand that? Get a fucking restraining order for what you're... What are you doing to get a restraining order for? For me being drunk and disorderly? For hitting you? For what? When she says he needs to talk to his therapist, he says, I don't need medication. You need a fucking bat in the side of your head. All right? How about that? You need a fucking doctor. You need a fucking brain transplant. You need a fucking a fucking soul. I need medication. I need someone who treats me like a man, like a human being with kindness, who understands what gratitude is, because I fucking bend over backwards with my balls in a knot to do it all for her. And she gives me shit like a fucking sour look or says I mean. He is yelling so much. He is panting on the phone. And I'm going to try to play a clip just shortly. So... Okay, so that's just a little clip. I mean, there's so many of them you can find online. Um, I that that man was that man that man is the fucking trash man. But not only is he like having a uh, he he first of all he's on all of the things. Ain't I ain't never heard of a sober, in his right mind human being trying to sound like a goddamn buffalo on the on the phone cussing and screaming at somebody and being unintelligible yeah and did you hear how much he's yelling that he's fucking panting yeah and the things that he was saying oh my yeah. god that's stuff that's 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 mel gibson to the core that's how he grew up that's what he loves that's how he learns he was a great actor. That nigga was fantastic. I Okay, I was watching some of his interviews and he comes off as, I don't know, to me, maybe it's like hindsight's 2020 type of thing, but he does not come off like a good guy to me. Just in the movies, but apparently yeah, in the he movies, has to he play seems cool. Mel Gibson. He plays himself a great A certified asshole. I do want to say. And racist and sexist, misogynistic piece of garbage and i feel like that's even being soft i do want to say though that he has disclosed that he has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder i believe and that is why ostana is trying to get his therapist and saying he needs medication in some of the audio clips but i don't know if we can just attribute this to like you know there's so much behind the scenes that is not disclosed Maybe, maybe not, but like I said, he, he, that's his responsibility to get help. I'm reacting to your terrible behavior. You know your diagnosis. You know what you got to do. You choose not to do it. The The language still stands. Yeah, it doesn't matter how, if I you're bipolar or not. That shit, that rhetoric, that, that state of mind you have, those words that are so freely coming out of your mouth, that's not, bipolar didn't make you 
learn those things and say those things. Yeah, I don't think I would ever say, like, in my, ever in my imagination, like, you're going to get raped by a pack of N-words. Like, who 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 talks like that? Like, it mm-hmm. seems like he's comparing them to animals when he says pack and oh, just 100%. using the N-word in pack general. And, 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 yeah, and you got to degrade us by using the slur, too, to put us, you know... We're a different class of people. We're not even people. Yeah, that's so. Oh, she's... and we, we love, we're on the hunt to rape as a pack. Yeah. She says on the Larry King, Ostana says on the Larry King interview that he's calling from like 8 p.m. to 3 a.m. nonstop. The reason the recordings are split up is because she's hanging up. And the only reason she keeps picking up is because she can tell, like, by the phone, by the sound of phones making that he's on a landline in Malibu and he's not on the way to kill her. So that's why she keeps picking up because she's thinking, well, I can tell he's still at home. He's not coming for me right now. And a hundred percent just whether from hearing that recording or the, the quotes that you read from the other recordings, the parts that you didn't play, a hundred percent sounds like he is threatening to cause her some physical harm sometime soon. Yeah. Like if he can't restrain himself on the phone, it, 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 it would only be a matter of time. You would think that he would do those things he's talking about to you for real. So I understand why she would record him and why she would be fearful. Should have got a restraining order. Should have blasted his ass. But I understand she was trying to be. Well, she did get a restraining order. Oh, okay, she did get the restraining uh-huh. order. Okay. Eventually, I, she I got, would, did get a restraining order. Yeah, I would have told I would told everybody about his ass. I mean, obviously, still people know now, and people are too accepting of him. So there is a picture with Ostana, and you see her teeth a little messed up the day after. You don't really see any bruises or anything, like if she was punched in the mouth. The dentist said more likely that she was hit in the temple and bit down hard enough to lose some veneers. And I don't really see that as an inconsistency. Inconsistency. He hit her in the face. She lost teeth. I mean, like, yeah. It wasn't her fault. It no. was due to physical abuse from another person. Like, if someone says he knocked my teeth out, I feel like you're thinking he punched her in the mouth. But he could punch her in the temple. She bites down so hard, her tooth snaps. Exactly. He still did that shit. Yeah. August 2011, Ostana and Mel reach an agreement. She is rewarded $750,000 and a house to live in until her daughter is 18. And then the house will be sold and put in a trust for her daughter. She was supposed to get the payments in three installments. But when she mentioned Mel in a 2014 Howard Stern interview, so she only ended up receiving $250,000. So the first installment. So wait. She was supposed to get this thing in three installments, and she only got one installment. Because Part of the settlement had like a non-disclosure in it. She couldn't mention him at all? She could not mention him. She could not talk about him. Damn. Osana would later, I think, sue her lawyers, and I didn't see much about that, but because she feels like she was told to accept a bad deal. Yeah, but fuck that. Um, Rhinona Ryder, and I'm just putting this in here because I didn't know where else to put it. Rhinona Ryder in 2020 retold a story she had previously told in 2010 that happened in like 1995. So confusing timeline, but it happened in 1995. She retold it at least two times, maybe more since then. Okay. 
Renona Ryder alleges that she was at a party with a gay friend and Mel walks over smoking a star and drunk and makes a comment like, quote, wait, am I to get AIDS referring to her gay friend? And then asks Renona, who is Jewish, if she's an oven dodger. Mel has denied these claims, but with his history, it makes one wonder. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Renona didn't even lie about shoplifting. Her ass got caught, so I believe her. Yeah. <laughs> 2016, Mel Gibson directs Hacksaw Ridge and is nominated for Best Director at the Academy Awards. It also gets other nominations and wins a few awards. Yeah, Academy's trash too, though. But I feel like that was kind of his... I did not know Hacksaw Ridge was his work, but I feel I like that was a pretty either. big movie, yeah. Yeah. In 2010, Living Legend... Whoopi Goldberg says on The View, quote, I don't like what he did here, but I know Mel, and he's not a racist. He may be a bonehead. I can't sit and say that he's a racist. Having spent time with him in my house with my kids, this was in reference to the Pack of N-Words comment. Whoopi would also say, quote, if someone is kicking your behind and punching you while you're holding your kid, you don't go to the cops first, which Oscana did, but for some reason, when the tapes were coming out, people thought it had just happened. Well... This is where, you know, well, this ain't the first nor the last time I have disagreed with Miss Whoopi. Yeah, um, I know she's defended some people. I didn't really look into it, but she has. Yeah, but she acted like, uh, this is what, has, she's Mel's Gibson's magical Negro because, because he's treated her and her family well. And she's got to experience the good side of me. There's no possible way that this man outside of you and any black co-stars he could have had or any friendliness he had towards other minorities. He just couldn't be racist. He's proven to you time and time again that this man has very rude, offensive, disturbing views about anybody that is not straight and white. That's I feel purely white according to him he and he's it's trash and the fact that the, you had to even throw in a little dash of victim blame victim blaming to prove your point proves my point that that man um is trash and you're trash for uh defending him because the fact is is that it doesn't matter if he you heard the tapes it doesn't matter if he wasn't kicking her ass or if she didn't go to the police or not that man is being verbally abusive and and talking about the fact that he could physically hurt her that's all you people, need to hear that's a lot all of people you need to hear. are saying like ostana is leading him on like she knows she's recording so she's acting extra calm and i feel like that's something as a society we always try to do is like well what did she do to provoke him or Something stupid like that, where it's somehow still the woman's fault. Exactly. We still not making people accountable for their behavior. It doesn't matter how she was talking. You see how she still didn't say nothing. And he, he, she's, even if she was being calm, even with her, she, she didn't say anything to inspire all the words and all the vitriol that he was spitting at her. Yeah. And so another person who came out who is white, but is not straight, Jodie Foster seems to come out every time Mel has a project in the works. Mm-hmm. Disappointing. One, sta- 
One statement said, quote, it's not my job to agitate his behavior. He is certainly not sexist and certainly not racist. I know this guy. I know somebody who's really emotional, who I can have long, long conversations, who's trustworthy, who shows up for me. Okay. Shut the fuck up, Jody. (laughs) (laughs) Silence of Jody Foster. Silence, (laughs) Silence your lamb lips. I just put these two people defending him because they are two left-leaning celebs that have come to his defense. I mean, who was the first one? Oh, yeah, Whoopi. <laughs> I, I forgot that quick. I don't know. I just don't think that the, just, just I, I don't get it. They, it's like either. they can def- it's like they're totally ignoring his behavior. It's just that I know this man is not sexist. I know this man is not racist. We're not going to talk about the tapes. We're not going to talk about the abuse. But I know that man, and he's the great man. He's the greatest man of all mans. I never knew a man who manned before this man manned. <laughs> like, maybe he is a good director. Maybe he's a good actor. But does that mean he's not a freaking asshole? He's not a... Does that mean he's not racist, that he's not sexist? And I don't want to shit on religions but i do feel like a lot of it does come down to religion he's using that as you know straight white males the best kind of thing man this man was having a premarital sex and having he's had affairs yeah and having babies out of wedlock and adultery and he'd be just drinking up a storm and just man broken all the rules fuck i hate when people use their religion shit june 11 2021 Trump is at a UFC fight, and Mel's also there, and is seen saluting him, which isn't really anything, but I just wanted to include it. Um, Mel Gibson is not, uh, what's it called? He's never served, even... so why is he saluting him? And also, if they're inside, you're not supposed to salute inside. Are you not? I don't know. I think you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm 50-50. I don't know. So Mel has upcoming projects, and he is set to direct Lethal Weapon 5. So let's answer the question. Has he served his time? Should we embrace him with open arms? It comes down to me. I'm asking you. That's the the whole point of this episode, Katrina. We're deciding right now, me and you, is Mel Gibson uncanceled? If you want to say that, because no one's ever really canceled. Yeah, well, you you first. You say yours. I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Um, I want to say enough time has passed. I want to say that he, maybe he learned his lesson and I don't know if he has, like, you know, he kind of went and hid. So we didn't, we didn't get to see that. Um, and he kind of knows all the right things to say, but that kind of 2016 answer where he tried to be the victim. I don't like it. The Ostana thing really rubs me the wrong way. I, Uh I don't know. I just, I know I'm not going to be watching his things. I don't have any interest in him. I don't think he's changed. I, okay. I think he's scum. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 I still think he's scum. I think he holds these beliefs that are not good. And I think he's scum. I a hundred percent agree with you sir um yeah. definitely i think that he is uh 
races, sexes, all all the is you want to put on this man. He's all that. He's abusive. That's not a T, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think he's I think he's all that. And just like you said, he's in the past. He hasn't apologized for any of his comments um, or his actions or any of that. He has always put the blame on um, your disorder or your your addiction. But it seems that where you have avenues and time or support systems to get over that, you choose not to. He has just like gone away for years and then popped up with a project. And all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, this project is great. We want to nominate him and give him all the awards like the dumbasses that Hollywood is and the Academy is, because despite them caring about diversity and women and all the other shit that they claim to, they perpetually celebrate and reward um, some of the worst uh, people in the entertainment industry because they quote unquote have made a masterpiece or a good body of work. But he has the right people on his side. And just like you said, he takes breaks long enough that people get amnesia and then he pops back up. So He's been flying under the radar, but I definitely think that he is everything that you talked about in this episode to this day. And honestly, he has enough money that he can finance a lot of these projects he does. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and unfortunately, because of his legacy, Mel Gibson, when it's on there, people are you know possibly going to give it a second look if it's endorsed, which a lot of these critics, these uh critically acclaimed people tend to do yeah oh my Um, god another masterpiece by mel gibson it's this it's that man a whole bunch of people gonna get killed that's what the fuck mel likes mel likes violence oh my gosh what is that connected to in his life everything i I was listening to some of our previous episodes i'm like we always go too nice on the people because i feel like both of us are two people who try to give the benefit of doubt but i'm not giving him any benefit of doubt he is literally garbage that's just what he is. He's garbage. She's always been garbage. I feel like you'll always be garbage, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And I don't like how the, those people who defend them don't acknowledge right from wrong. And yeah. that just shows you how they'll be rated when they're they when their own shit comes to roost. Like when Whoopi always gets halfway uh canceled about another remark is because she constantly is always on the wrong side of history i feel like but i've i have not stand strong on it i I have not looked into some of those because i really do love whoopi (laughs) i know you do i know you do baby (laughs) but i i yeah i've seen it pop up every here and there where it's like whoopi defended this person or this person's like whoopi no girl this is not what we're doing but we do like to end every episode on a positive note with what with some kind of media that we like to share, that we want to talk about, that we want to recommend. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure, I'll go first. Get it out the way. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, um, out of all the years I've actually had Spotify, this was the one year I actually used it most of the year. Up until uh, the end of October, because I stopped paying for premium. But like I said, I was using it consistently. And so they had the Spotify rap playlist list, whatever, come out. 
And I posted my top podcast on my Twitter, but I didn't do anything else. So that's going to be my media is the other artists and songs on my list. Okay. All right. So, okay. My top artist from five to one was Dreamville, Jasmine Sullivan, Nao, Kanye West. And then my number one was Rihanna. Um, what's your favorite album by Rihanna? Anti, because it's the only one I know by name. <laughs> okay, that was one of the reasons why she was my number one, because I do love the Anti album. But it was also like one of her first or second albums, A Girl Like Me. I kept listening to the title song because I discovered it uh, out of nowhere and basically just ran that up all year. Oh, I never heard that one. I, I, feel well, like- I probably heard it, but I just don't know it by name. Maybe. I never heard it as a single. I just happened to point it. All right. All right. Uh, So my top songs from five to one was R.I.P. Young, Isaiah Rashad, Four, Georgie Porgy, Eric Benet, and Faith Evans. Uh, Three, Adore You, Now, I mean, Nao, and I cannot pronounce the the other person's name. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Number two is Essence featuring Tim's, WizKid. And number one is Buss It, Ari Lennox. Uh, it's on the Dreamville album, but only Ari, Ari Lennox sings it. Okay. And uh, those are all different types of songs, but really they're just all great, you know, smooth songs, great singers. Uh, Isaiah Rashad's a, uh, a rapper, but it's on a nice little beat, so I like to play it when I drive. So that's basically my driving music. Ooh, I love it. I'm still right. really surprised Rihanna was your top, though. I just, I get, I did not think you were that bit of a Rihanna fan. You know what? It's so crazy. I, I'm surprised she was my top, but there was like a few. I was always playing a girl like you, uh, kiss it better, love song, and uh, same old mistakes. Those four songs were constantly in rotation. And I don't like any of those songs by her. Man, well, let me see. Let me see if I can get you with the fifth one. Uh, the fifth one was close to you. No. Oh, you don't even like that one. Cold. Okay. All right, sir. How about your media media today? What do you have on the menu? Well, I guess I'll do my Spotify rap too. Okay. Okay. So artists starting from five was Beyonce. Mm. Number four, Nicki Minaj. Number three, Harry Styles. Okay, fun fact about Harry Styles. I use the Calm app, and in there, they, like, read you bedtime stories. Mm -hmm. And one of the people who reads to you is Harry Styles, and I was not a fan of his before that. And all of a sudden, I became a fan. So I feel like they did some subconscious thing to me in my brain, (laughs) like, to make me a Harry Styles fan. I was just about to say, I don't get the appeal, but he has a fan base. He His The Fine Line album was really good. Okay. Um, Number two, FKA Twigs. And number one, Alanis Morissette. I was surprised she was your number one and it wasn't Nikki. Okay. I was really surprised she was my number one too. And then I started thinking about it and Alanis is always there. Any playlist I make, she's there. She has been there for me since I was growing up. She's always (laughs) there. She has a song for every occasion. Yeah. I know you ought to know. (laughs) And that's not even one of her best ones. 
I yeah. Oh I, my god! Speaking of, did you see the? Is 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 one of your Beyonce favorites not the Grammy performance where she did the Alanis Morissette and uh the the uh? I just love Beyonce when she does covers in general, though. Yeah, what's the song called though? If I were a boy, that's what I was gonna say. Uh huh. I was gonna say if I think like a boy. <laughs> <laughs> so those were my top artists. My top songs were Five Wait by Get Set Go. Of course. Number four. Girl Like Me, featuring her by Jasmine Sullivan, which is my favorite album of the year. <laughs> Number three, Don't Rain on My Parade by Barbara Streisand. And I was really surprised about that one. Me too. I told okay. you. <laughs> but I have a theory. One time I was drinking and I fell asleep and my phone was just on repeat. So I think it just ran up the numbers. But I do like that song. <laughs> I just was like, Jose. <laughs> I don't think how, like how old are we? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I listen to it that often, but I do listen to it when I'm in a good mood. So maybe I just <laughs> been in a good mood this year. <laughs> number two, Home with You by FKA Twigs, which is an amazing song. And number one, my favorite song, Cellophane by FKA Twigs. If you haven't listened to it, it's such a beautiful song. It said I listened to it, I think only 97 times. And I think it's because I like watching the video too. So mm. it's like not accurate numbers. Because it's that, been a lot more actually. Yeah, it's been a lot more. And I did not really listen to FKA until they were that little Nas video, whatever one it was, Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. When they're like, oh, the videos are the same. And then yeah. I like watched the video to see if it was. And I was like amazed because her voice, the song, it just takes me somewhere. It takes me. It takes me on a journey every time. Yeah, and I, I don't even know how to explain it. I was not surprised when I saw that was your number one since you talked about how much you loved it. I have, I, and I oh, even one time put it in part of my media, and you weren't giving it the respect it deserves, so I just cut it out. Not you cut it out because I wasn't giving it respect. Yeah, I was like talking about, and you were just like, uh huh, and I was like, she no, she does not deserve to hear this media. Uh, the thing is, I, as much as I know about FK Twigs, I, you know, I wasn't, ooh, I'm not that familiar with her. I watched it and listened to it afterwards. You it's, know, it's, it's nice. And Home With You is really good, too. I I wonder, oh, one song I was surprised, which I wanted you to tell me, too. Mm-hmm. Once I, one song I was surprised was not on my top five was I Put a Spell on You. Nina Simone or Annie Lennox or who? Annie, yeah. I was trying to look who it was by. Mm-hmm. You did say you like that cover. Yeah, I, I think that's the one it's by. But it was, I heard it on Lovecraft Country, and it was so good. And it's, yeah, I was, like, really surprised it wasn't on mine. Do you think, is there anyone on yours that you were surprised weren't on there? Yes, actually, there's this Gavin DeGraw song that I heard back when I was a preteen and I carried it with it's like one of the I only got like five songs that I will never, ever in this world ever get tired of. And that's one. And it's called uh, what I say. Oh, it's Gavin DeGraw Chariot. And I listen to that song all the time. So I was actually surprised it never made it on my list. But yeah, I Yeah, Gavin DeGraw got some pipes, you know what I'm saying? 
And mm-hmm. I love his voice. And I was like, I thought that was top four at least. I was surprised about your her and uh, Jasmine Sullivan song because I like it too. But I didn't know you was you was uh, running it up like that. Really, I I've been I feel like me and you haven't really talked about it, but I love that whole album. It's because it, I introduced you, and then you, you just... You did not introduce me to Jasmine I, Sullivan. No, not Jasmine Sullivan, but definitely, I feel like I persuaded you to listen to Hotels faster uh-uh. than you would have. I had to get back into my whole days, and I'm like, let's listen. <laughs> but you know what's crazy? I mean, Hotels is cool, but I think her top album to me forever will be Reality T... Or what is it called? Damn it. I forgot the name of it already. See, I've never really been an album reality per- TV or something like that. I've never really been an album person besides this year. Now I try to appreciate the album for what it is. Speaking of albums, and I'm going to end it after this because our media is too long. Yeah. I listened to Adele's 30. <gasps> and we said it's a grower. No, it, it's not. It has it's- definitely. No, um, we said what? Um, Easy, Easy on, on me. me was a grower. That was the only grower. Well, it has really grown on me. And 30, I really like Man, it pulled me in and ain't letting me go. I can't believe I didn't do that as my media. Yeah. I, I listened to it and I said, bitch, I got to pop out one. Well, okay. So I was going to, I was listening to it and I'm like, this ain't it, Adele. And then I got to, <laughs> <laughs> I got to my little love. And at the end, her little monologue of, where she's talking it just got me i'm like you love a monologue I, I do hashtag beyonce monologues if you haven't seen those youtube videos go and watch it <laughs> but we do have to end this unless you have anything else to add no i agree with everything you said bro <laughs> yes um reach out to us tell us if you agree that mel gibson is scum of the earth that he should not be show his face around hollywood that we've had enough of him or maybe you're on the other side. Maybe he's done his time. And if you think you're on the other side, I would like to uh, a detailed email detailing this. Why? <laughs> I just need to know. <laughs> no, because it's going to be like, fuck you guys. <laughs> as long as, uh, as, long as re- it's respectful, that's cool. We'll read it on the podcast of why you think. I'll let one bitch slide. <laughs> Not to me. If there be directed to but you can send that to our Gmail. That is saveyoursorry at gmail.com, spelled just like the podcast. If you want to go to our Instagram where we tell you about our newest episodes and share some pictures on there, that's save your sorry spelled just like the podcast. If you want to send us a dollar or two right now, we just have cash up set up. So it's dollar sign. Save your sorry spelled just like the podcast. And if you want to reach us on Twitter, that is. Save your sorry, but the your is spelled you are. And please rate us five stars. Please leave a review. Please tell us what you like, what you uh, don't like, uh, what you want to leave as a suggestion. Uh-huh. I think I hit all of them. Bing, 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 bing. Oh, wow. Also on media, I didn't say it, but on emails or anywhere, really, send us your media, what you like. Send us anything. Um, yeah, what you like, girl? Tell me what you like. <laughs> that was all for this episode. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Bye. See you.